I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Stagnant training, signs that you are flatlining and not making progress. Most athletes are on a quest to improve their running. People like to see progress and no one wants to see that all of their hard work is actually moving them in the opposite direction of where they want to go. However, when there is not enough recovery in your training, your body is not able to recover from the stress load of training. If you cannot recover from the stress of training, you will not be able to make adaptations that will make you a faster runner. Instead of improving, you will be working hard but end up frustrated and sometimes injured as the stress continues to pile up and your body is not able to recover. Or there is also the type of athlete who maybe just isn't pushing hard enough and isn't doing any workouts. They may be stuck in their comfort zone, doing the same type of runs and the same workouts over and over again for months and years, thinking that they have peaked. There are other warning signs that this process of stagnant training or flatlining has already started with your training. And there are some things that we want to consider before backing off or making adjustments. And today we are going to be talking about what these signs are that you might be flatlining and not making progress and how to stop them from happening. So as we talk about this topic, it's also really important to just talk about the law of diminishing returns for a second because as athletes start running, you're going to see improvements all the time. I started running when I was 18 and almost every week or every month, it seemed like I could run a PR. I could run a new distance. I could hit the fastest pace I had ever ran before. And it really just continued this upward trajectory for a pretty long time. And I think that's really what gets people addicted to running in the first place is being able to see the numeric value and see that progress right in front of them. And it can be really addicting to to see that, oh my gosh, I'm making progress and my hard work is paying off. And I know Jason, we met when I was maybe like four years into my running career or a couple, I don't know how many years, but you did mention like, hey, because you've been running for, gosh, I don't know, like most of your life, so almost like 10, 15 years at that point. And you were like, you're going to reach a point where you're not gonna PR or you're gonna PR by like 30 seconds and you're gonna be happy about that. 
And I thought, I was like, he doesn't know, like he doesn't understand, <laughs> like, but actually you did understand. And so talk to me a little, a little bit about this law of diminishing returns and maybe like when you started realizing that was a thing. Oh man. <laughs> um, you know, obviously even as a high school athlete, you're running several races throughout the course of a year. So you kind of realize quick that they're not always going to be a PR. Um, you know, cross country is different because the course is different. Track should, you know, tracks the same because it's the same distance every time. So you start to understand like, okay, um, I didn't run as fast as I did last time. Why? And so there's so many factors that go into it, right? With weather conditions and just like your mental approach to the race and maybe just how fast you started the first, the first part of the race, that sort of thing. And so you just kind of learn that the more experience you get with doing workouts and with doing racing, uh, races, especially across various distances that, there's a ton of factors at play, right? And so there's the mental side of training, there's the physical side, um, and just overall strategizing. And so, yeah, I think, you know, watching a new runner um, see a bunch of gains early on is exciting for them, but also helping them see the big picture of, you know, this is kind of why we're seeing all of these gains so fast, so quickly, um, Mm -hmm. is because this is new for you. And so you're you're learning kind of that you can dig a little deeper each time, you know, and I have an athlete I just wrapped up the Unleashed Speed program with, and it seemed like, you know, he kept PRing every time. And that's just because he, he never had the, the experience before of running a, a three mile, two mile, one mile time trial. So not only did the distance keep getting shorter, um, he was able to kind of run faster each time. And then, you know, we'd plug those results into a calculator, which of course, um, imputed some faster uh, paces for him, training paces. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, you do reach a point where it becomes more difficult to, um, run well, you need a lot of factors to align and you need to train a certain way in order to get the result you're looking for. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny when you talk about these athlete examples, it's like, it's really hard as a coach because a lot of people want to know like the timeline, like how long is it going to take me to reach X goal based on where I am right now? And it's like, well, every athlete is different and there is no like secret formula that's going to get you there in 12 months. It's like, Some people come in with a bigger aerobic base. Some people respond faster to training. Some people are just more naturally talented or they are more durable so we can up their mileage faster, which in turn makes them faster. Um, There's just so many factors at play. And like that one athlete that you're mentioning who had more speed than maybe we realized that mm-hmm. he had, it's like he was never able to really tap into that. And so sometimes you get these athletes that come in and they – you know, they're at a certain level and then you kind of test out their speed and you're like, whoa, this person has a significant amount of talent here or a lot of speed. And you know, almost right off the bat that if they're consistent with their training, that they're going to like make progress at maybe a faster rate, just because you see that talent that's there. Um, whereas other people, it, it might take a little bit longer. And so that's why I think it's discouraging to like compare and stuff like that. But that also plays into yourself as an individual. I think as runners, we like to compare ourselves where we are currently to maybe like previous years or, mm-hmm. oh, you know, five years ago, I PR'd at every single race. Why is it that this year I'm struggling or it, I worked a whole 12 months just to shave 30 seconds off my time? And I think that can kind of talk back to that law of diminishing returns. So we're talking about stagnant training and I think sometimes athletes get to a point where they're at this law of diminishing returns. So you have to put in even more work to see that next level of result. 
Um, and then sometimes they'll just kind of throw in the towel and be like, oh, I give up. I peaked or I'm stagnant. And sometimes that is not the case. So sometimes it's just, you have to be consistent for longer. You have to change a training variable. You have to maybe run a little bit more mileage to get to that next level. Um, so as you get faster, it does become harder to get faster and you have to remain like just as consistent as you were and you know do even more and so I think that's the hardest part about distance running is like you just have to keep doing more to see um even less results yeah you know I'm glad you brought up the kind of the individual differences with athletes and how important that is not to overlook because like you said there we there may be things about an athlete that you discover as you train or that athletes haven't even discovered yet about themselves right like they maybe thrive on more speed or um they end up you know able to hold the, the pace for a longer distance as they kind of move up in the distances and so um, i think it's really important to not compare yourself like you were mentioning mm-hmm. and then just put yourself in kind of new experience new situations in terms of your training because like you said that's going to be how you reach that next level um, you can't just do the same thing over and over and expect to see um, you know, new results. Um, on the flip side of that, I do think, you know, when we start talking about specific workouts and such, um, you can kind of get away with doing like, you know, let's say you're doing like mile repeats and that's kind of like your bread and butter, you know, you can do those for a while and kind of throw in different variations to that. Or, um, you don't really have to change the, the number of reps. You can maybe affect the rest in between or slightly faster paces by five Mm -hmm. to 10 seconds. And so, you know, in a sense, you can kind of do similar training and get different results, but at some point it might become stagnant to you and you're going to need to kind of change it up. And maybe you you do um, longer threshold runs or some faster speed intervals. So that's kind of an example of what I mean by switching it up and, and not being too stagnant. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And in the intro of this, we talked a little bit about the two different types of athletes, right? So there's going to be that stagnant athlete that is basically overtraining. So you're not getting enough recovery or maybe running too many miles or you're doing too many miles too fast. Um, So that's more of like that type A runner, right? If you're the type of person that wants to do more, always like wants to run more. If you see 10 on the schedule, you want to go 11. If you see nine, you want to go 10. Um, if you see that you only have one 20 miler, you want to go 23. Um, so just, if you're that tendency and type of person, then this maybe is kind of like the segment of the episode you want to listen to. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the other type of athlete that maybe isn't doing enough or is in their comfort zone, but the overtrainer I think is pretty common, especially because most runners who are really into running, they're pretty hardworking and they want to like put in the work and do as much as possible. And we all think that the harder we work, uh, like the better results we're going to get. And sometimes that's just not the case. And even with like work, right? I think there is, um, they've done studies where like after a certain amount of hours spent mm-hmm. working, you actually start to lose productivity. And so we're like, oh yeah, you know, 80, I work 80 hours a week and we, we live in this culture where people like praise the hustle, they praise the grind. But in reality, if you are totally unproductive after a certain point, there is no point in doing more. You have to eventually look yourself in the mirror and be like, Am I overtraining or not? And so what are some signs, Jason? I'm sure you have gotten a ton of athletes in the past um, who have trialed with you and who have signed up as athletes under you who come from this history of 
overtraining or doing too much. Um, what are some of those key indicators that you would see as a coach kind of looking historically? Um, what are patterns that you see? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, it's a mixed bag. Sometimes you get people who, um, you know, they are humble enough to to learn and adapt and, and try something new. And so that's probably why they're, they're reaching out and they're looking for a coach. Other times you get people that just try it out for a week or two and then they don't like the way that you set it up for them. And so they kind of go back to their, their own ways. And so I think, you know, you mentioned type A runners. And so a lot of times the tendency might be to hyper-focus on like mileage or numbers or pace or something like that. And so kind of helping the athlete you know, realize that let's go just more off of kind of like effort and not worry so much about pace. Let's make sure we're in this easy range. So I do a lot of the effort scale, you know, keeping it four or five out of 10 at the at the highest. Um, and so, you know, not dipping below, because I was guilty this out of college. I'd run a lot of my easy runs sub seven pace, and that technically isn't my easy pace. And so I kind of learned the older I got, like, hey, if I slow down, I'm able to get more out of my workouts. And so those are some of the signs as you're running workouts too fast, or you're running easy days too fast. Um, and maybe in workouts, you're attacking the first set or first uh, interval a little bit too quickly instead of being more patient and running like progressive splits, I would say. So that could be a sign. Um, you know, there's a couple other signs too, just like f- not feeling recovered in between workouts, that sort of thing. Right. And I think it's a trap that runners can get into. And me back in 2016 definitely fell into this trap, I think. Because of the social media effects, um, this was maybe before Strava was really a thing, but I was one of those individuals that was posting every single run on Instagram. And, you know, some of you guys follow our Run for Beers Instagram. Um, just a little history lesson is that started with me just posting my daily runs using like this FitSnap app. So I would have my mileage and my pace. And I got into this really weird habit of like, oh, I want to like run, you know, under eight minute pace. So sometimes at the end of the runs, I'd be, you know, finishing a little stronger. Or if I started a run and I was really fatigued, I didn't actually allow myself to listen to my body because I didn't want people to like raise an eyebrow at like, why is she running so much slower today? Um, And these were things that were happening kind of like subconsciously. I wasn't really aware that these were happening. Um, And so I went into that year like the fittest I had ever been. I ran like a 314 marathon the year before. And the year before, a lot of my training was it for easy runs was in like the nine minute range. I would start runs closer to like 10 minute pace. Um, I just didn't really share any of my runs. So there was no reason to try to like impress anyone or to like run a certain pace on easy days. I just went off of feel. And then I think with that introduction of social media, really what happened was there's this not judgment that goes on, but it's like, you know that people are going to be looking at your runs. And so I kind of was one of the first people to experience like the impacts of what happens to your training when you are worried about people looking at your runs. And um, I ended up going too fast. I didn't even realize I was doing this. And eventually I reached a point where I was running slower in races. So I went from like a 129 half to like 134. Um, my marathon time went from like 314 to like 328 and I was actually running more than I did the year before. So I ran over 3000 miles that year, which was significantly more than the year before. And I ended that year slower than I was the year before significantly and just really in like a bummed out spot. And so that is a story that I like to share because it really shows that some of these social media apps, they do 
have an impact on us. And I think it's just really important to be aware. I'm not saying to get off Strava and stuff. I still have a Strava account and I'm more true to my easy pace days now. I don't really care as much. But I think recognizing that maybe that is a thing that could potentially be impacting us and just being aware of that is really important. And for some people, um, they do get off of Strava or they do make their runs private for that reason because they want to have that autonomy of going whatever pace feels right. And if some days that's two minutes per mile slower on an easy run, that should be fine and that should be between you and your coach or like you and you, not you and the world, right? You don't have to feel... Um, like you have to justify to anyone or go, you know, a certain pace every day just because that's kind of like your norm. Um, yeah, so that's that's just a little background of me. But I think the moral of the story here that I learned was going slow enough on your easy days where you can actually recover is key because what ended up happening was I was going too many of my runs at this like gray zone. Um, and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to like hit paces and workouts because my legs were always pretty fatigued from pushing it a little bit too hard on easy days. And that was an appropriate easy aerobic pace for me, but it was not slow enough that my muscles and tendons could recover, especially if I was trying to run like higher mileage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, hearing you talk about your experience and stuff, it kind of made me think of someone, a teammate of mine in college who, uh, you know, and this is before social media and everything. And so, you know, his motive to want to run easy runs too fast, not sure what it was, but it was probably somewhere within himself, like an insecurity and that uh, race performance was, he wasn't able to perform well on race day. And so, you know, he, we would see that often, like his, his workouts didn't align with like his race outcome. And so that could be another reason why you feel that tendency or need to really push all your runs too fast. And so um, that's another example of someone that may be having too much stress mm-hmm. in their training. And then there's kind of the other side of the spectrum. I'm going to talk about myself here because mm-hmm. I, my background is, you know, I, I loved workouts and it kind of got me jacked up. And so after college, I wouldn't really train at the same level or volume. So my mileage would like go down, but I would still kind of do these like workouts that were probably way too high level. Um, and that was kind of setting me up for injury or um, burnout. And so again, high stress there with training. If you're only like showing up to the track or you're doing, you're trying to run two workouts in a week, but you're only doing four days of running, mm. you know, that's another example of someone who maybe, um, isn't training the smartest either. And so, right. um, yeah, there's a, I think there's kind of like a wide spectrum of where you could fall on that, you know, within, um, when we talk about easy runs and then when we talk about like workouts as well. Right. And I think, um, even like racing workouts can be a thing. So trying to hit paces that you previously hit and just like always having that comparison trap in mind. Cause for me, I did race some of my workouts back in like 2016. And so when I tried to like move away from that and rebuild like a fresh page, I had to let go of that comparison. I had to mm-hmm. let go of Oh, last year, you know, I was hitting X time for my workouts or my easy days because in reality, that wasn't actually helping me at all. And so I think it's really counterintuitive to be like, yeah, slow down on your workouts a little bit. And yeah, slow down on your easy runs, but that could be the missing link um, for some people. And like for you, in that case, it might have been, oh, you need to just do more easy runs. Mm-hmm. You need to like run a little bit higher volume. And so it really just depends so much on the individual but I do think for all runners we do kind of get this sense that we're not moving in the right direction and so you mentioned that like you would go to the track and try to hit these workouts and maybe it didn't yield the same results as it did in college right what 
like, did you kind of have some sort of thoughts after those workouts or maybe like weeks later? What were kind of like the thoughts kind of going through your head as this doubt um, started to like fester? Well, it came during a time where I was forced to kind of take some time off from running. So I had like a setback, maybe it was a calf injury or flare up or something like that. And then, you know, just some deep reflecting on, is this really the way, like, I want to continue training? Um, Yeah, it's fun doing the workouts, but if I'm not like physically and mentally supporting those workouts with like proper strength training, proper rest, proper easy pace running on rest recovery days, that sort of thing, um, it's not the best recipe for where kind of I want to go. And so, yeah, it took, it took some reflecting and I just think that, um, sometimes we learn by, by, um, being able to kind of see our mistakes, Mm -hmm. right. Or reflect on those mistakes. So, um, it was tough, but I still like to kind of do workouts every now and then, but I just, I'm a lot more like, um, realistic about the pace. And then I'm a lot more cautious on the, like the volume of them. So I won't do this many reps. Like I'll always stop kind of before, I'm going to overdo it because let's face it, I'm not the same athlete I, I used mm-hmm. to be in my younger 20s where I was racing, you know, uh, probably 15, 20 times throughout the course of a year in various distances. So when you kind of stop racing like that, you know, you're you're not as strong. Um, you're just not, you're not like pushing yourself to the max. And so it's like, why would you do that very often in workouts? Like you'd rather kind of do 85 to 90% effort than, you know, like you said, trying to race your workouts, that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I also wanted to just share some of like the things that maybe would be red flags. Um, And these are like really advanced red flags, right? So you might be overtraining, but you may not have these red flags. Um, So your resting heart rate might be impacted. So you might realize like your resting heart rate is elevated for a few weeks. Um, That may be a sign that you're overdoing it. So maybe taking like a little bit of extra downtime, slowing down your easy days spreading out like how far in between your workout days, um, how your races go, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're like consistently throughout the course of, I would say, you know, four months, racing like worse or blowing up in races where you go out really hard um, and then you just end up dying or you do start conservatively and you just don't have that extra gear and you're racing a lot slower, but you're training harder, that's typically another sign. Um, But this is over the course of like, you know, a couple months. Um, some female athletes will lose their period. So I never had that occur, but it is really common. Or if like your cycles late all the time, or if, you know, it's just really light, those are some signs that maybe your body is experiencing extra stress. Um, and it just kind of will happen over a period of time. So there is that other side of things, right? So we are talking a lot about like overtraining, not recovering enough, like the athlete who wants to push it, push it, push it. But then there's also like that other athlete who is maybe like stuck in the comfort zone a little bit. Um, so it's kind of like the opposite, right? So it's the runner who is, you know, somewhat consistent. So obviously most runners, they are somewhat consistent. Um, but I think they get in like this comfort zone of like the same workouts, not really pushing themselves as much. Maybe they're doing a lot of stuff at marathon pace, Maybe they're just kind of running the same routes, running the same workouts that feel comfortable for them, um, or their weekly mileage is a little bit low. Like you, for example, <laughs> um, just not running like enough mileage. We kind of talked about um, and and how to like increase those stimuli and like when it would make sense and how would an athlete know? Yeah, you know, great question here. Um, for myself, you know, 
it's kind of like I try to maintain like a certain base mileage. Um, So whether that's like four days of running, five days of running, um, once I'm able to do that for like a month, then I know I'm kind of ready for like the next step, like workouts or whatnot. So you always want to make sure that you can maintain a certain level of training without any setbacks. Um, And that could be injury related or also like illness. Because a lot of times when we ramp up training, our immune system can be compromised. We can get sick a couple weeks later, right? I've seen that a lot of times with athletes who come back after some time off. And so it's really important that you don't like progress mileage and intensity workouts at the same time. Um, You know, and so for myself, I've always tried to kind of limit my time off like during off seasons and then really just try to maintain like easy mile runs, like three to four mile runs. That way, at least I have something to work with that if I want to kind of get back to ramping things up, it's a little bit easier and a little bit faster progression that in that way. Um, Another example is an athlete I recently been talking to. He's a former college teammate of mine, um, runs one day a week and he, it's basically all a social thing for him. And so he wants to run a marathon in six months. And so I, I told him I'm willing to help him out and I want to kind of help, you know, write him a plan. And the goal isn't to run like a fast time or anything like that, but you know, it's a marathon, right? And you still want to be prepared. So you want to kind of train at the right paces. So kind of figuring out what are his right um, paces he should be running at is a challenge right now. I'm not going to have him go out and, you know, crush a time trial off running one day a week. Um, but so I asked him, I was like, how fast do you think you could run a 5k right now? And he kind of told me and I was like, well, it sounds kind of slow. I, you know, compared to like where he was as a college athlete, it was like, it was five minutes slower. Right. So I'm like, I bet he can run faster than that. And so just thinking about, um, progressing someone like that, who's really kind of starting from scratch, it, it might just be with like, uh, running, going from one day a week to two days a week and then to three days a week and that sort of thing and adding just light mileage. So like two miles, three miles, um, not even adding workouts yet. Obviously, he's training for a marathon, so the workouts aren't going to be as important as increasing his mileage is. You know, if he was training for a 5K, then we could kind of think about, you know, incorporating more strides and stuff like that as we ramp him up. So it'll really boil down to, like, what the athlete's goals are and what they're hoping to kind of um, accomplish in the next, like, you know, in the near future. Yeah, definitely. There's just so many factors that go into things, and that's why working with a coach can be huge, right? So one of the people who, like, actually brought to my attention, like, hey, you're probably overtraining – Um, was actually one of my first hires. It was like in the hiring process. He was like, oh my gosh, you are, you know, you're running a lot. And I was like, yeah, like it's awesome. And he was like, no, like you're running too much. (laughs) Like based on, you know, everything kind of given my background and just like listening to his advice and kind of taking those steps towards, okay, instead of running, you know, high mileage, maybe I'm just going to run like moderate and, you know, slow down some of my easy days and and yielding some of his advice um, eventually kind of led to like a breakthrough year. Um, after I had my first child, but that's the thing is you have to really be open to making those changes. And I know that can be really hard after you've had this whole year of like flatlining and like running slower than ever before you question if doing less is going to like yield better results, but often it does. And so giving your body rest, your body's actually able to adapt and start to make adaptations based on the stress that you've been doing. Otherwise, if you're just piling on stress, your body's not ever able to make the adaptations. And so you might just be kind of burning a candle, like beating a dead horse, right? And so it's really important to train correctly and make sure you're getting um, that outside opinion and feedback can be huge. And so working with the coach is awesome. If you are interested in having a free seven-day trial, just having us look at your training, maybe even you some pointers and advice, we would love to get you set up with a coach here at run for prs to help with that free seven-day trial. You can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com. Again, that's www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day coaching trial. So thanks for tuning in.